This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yo, yo, hour number three of our radio program. That's right, it is the Zach Gelb Show for 60 more minutes right here on CBS Sports Radio. Could always jump on board, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Or check us out, Instagram, Twitter, at Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. And you can always watch the show via our YouTube live stream. Uh, game tonight, Cowboys and Chargers. I think this is a fascinating game because these are two teams that don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. These are one of those games where you go, okay, if it ends in a 34-34 tie, I would not be shocked whatsoever because neither of those teams take advantage of the opportunity at hand. When you look at the Dallas Cowboys, there's a reason why I call them, well, the drama Dallas choking Cowboys. And we've seen the Cowboys now beat up on three really bad football teams at the time. Like, the Giants are a bad football team. The Patriots are a bad football team. The Jets are an improving football team. But at the time, that was the the at-the-time team. They played the Cowboys. They were a bad football team. So the Cowboys don't have a great win on their schedule yet. The Cowboys don't have a win on that schedule that makes you go, wow, I got to believe in the Dallas Cowboys. They lost to the Cardinals, who the Cardinals are a team, they don't have the talent to win games this year, but they are a gritty team. And for a half, they're in every game that they play, and the Cowboys couldn't beat that team. And then up against the best team they've played so far, they didn't just lose. They got emasculated, and they got ran right off the football field in Santa Clara uh, last Sunday night, which it was absolutely a pathetic performance by the Cowboys. So this is a spot for Dallas where, where you just look and say, can you go get your best win of the season? Not that anyone's going to jump back on the drama Dallas choking Cowboy bandwagon if you win this game tonight because there is going to be a feeling of, yeah, but it was the Chargers. And this Chargers team... I don't know if there's been more of a eh team in the NFL this year than the Chargers. And what I mean by that is the Chargers have all the talent. The Chargers are a team that on paper should be really good, but there's never that belief that the Chargers are going to take that next step. And we've kind of seen it for the last almost 20 years, where if you want to go back to Phillip Rivers, they had a lot of talented teams. With Phillip Rivers and Antonio Gates and LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Merriman and all those great players that they had with the Chargers. And even when some of those guys left, there was a few years ago, 
where a lot of people thought after the Chargers beat the Ravens in that wild card game where the fans in Baltimore were chanting for Lamar Jackson to get off the field and bring in Joe Flacco, which to John Harbaugh's credit, he didn't listen. And then the next year, Lamar Jackson learned from that and ended up winning a unanimous MVP in his first true year as a starter because John Harbaugh knew that was the future of his team. But the following week, that Chargers team, a lot of people thought they were walking into one Patriot place and they were going to defeat the Patriots. So the Patriots, I know they did go on to win the Super Bowl, but they were not a hot team heading into the postseason. And the Patriots annihilated the Chargers. So for a long time, the Chargers have been a team that have been filled with an abundance of talent, but they just never find a way to have more wins than losses and get the job done where you go, okay, this is a team that I could believe in and this is a team that I could trust in. And through the first four games of the season, you know, I say that the Cowboys don't have a good win. The Chargers don't have a good win either. They lose to Miami in a close one. They lose to Tennessee in a close one. And their two wins are up against the Vikings and up against the Raiders. And both of those games, they should not have won because in the Minnesota game, Brandon Staley was aggressive. It didn't work. And then Kirk Cousins threw an interception right towards the goal line. And the same thing happened the following week where all they had to do was give the ball off to Josh Jacobs. We were talking about with Emmett Smith, who joined this earlier, at the three-yard line. And that game goes to overtime. Maybe McDaniels goes for two and you win the game right there. And then Aiden O'Connell throws an interception. So you look at the Chargers, they're sitting there at 2-2, two and two, and they haven't proved anything. And the Cowboys are sitting at 3-2, and two, and they haven't proved anything either. So tonight, it's which team do you trust more? And the answer is I trust neither, but I'm going to take the underdog in this one. I'm going to take the Chargers. And I know the Chargers have no home field advantage. SoFi Stadium is going to be filled tonight. With all those cockroach Cowboys fans. We know they're going to be popping up. They're going to be infiltrated. And they're going to be taking over SoFi Stadium. That will be a Dallas Cowboys home game tonight. But I'm taking the points in this game. And I will take the Chargers to not only, you know, keep it within two, three points, whatever the spread is. But I think they're going to win the game outright. Now, the Chargers do not have a, a good defense. That defense has been Swiss cheese this year. So you would think that Dak Prescott can step up, and you would think that Tony Pollard can step up, and you would think that the Cowboys can actually put up some points tonight, and can they use C.D. Lamb, who's a really talented wide receiver, but I just don't trust the Cowboys' offense. And defensively, this is a pride game for the Cowboys' defense because I don't think the Cowboys' defense is as bad as what they displayed up against the San Francisco 49ers, but they're also not as great as the way that we touted this defense heading into the season when you just get run through uh, like, a, like a hot knife through butter with the way that the Cowboys did last week up against the San Francisco 49ers. And the Chargers have talent. Now, I know Mike Williams is out, but you got Keenan Allen. Can Quinn and Johnson start to put it together? You got that big tight end too. Uh, but most importantly... How many primetime games do we see on a Sunday, a Monday, or Thursday, and then we're in the next day on CBS Sports Radio, and Austin Eckler is not only getting one touchdown, but multiple touchdowns. And the last few weeks, Austin Eckler has been hurt, and now Austin Eckler is expected to make his return for the Los Angeles Chargers. And in the one game he played this year up against Miami, you know, he, he did a heck of a job where he had over 100 yards, 117 
rushing yards and also had four receptions for 47 yards. That's the other thing. Austin Eckler, even with how good of a quarterback I believe Justin Herbert could be, like Justin Herbert, the way I would say it, is the Chargers' best offensive player. But their most valuable player is Austin Eckler. And now where you talk about preventing a ship from sinking, even though it looked like that ship was going to sink multiple times through the first four games, even if it was more on the incompetence of other coaches in Kirk O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell, and Josh McDaniels, the Chargers prevented the ship from sinking in the first four weeks of the season. Where I'm not saying you should believe in them. I'm not saying you should trust them. I shouldn't give either of these teams the benefit of the doubt. But I know Austin Eckler, assuming he gets their pregame warm-ups and he plays, and he said earlier in the week 99% that he was going to play, going back to last week, barring a setback in pregame warm-ups, I got to think Austin Eckler finds the end zone tonight a few times. And I'm going to, I don't want to say trust, because once again, I don't trust either of these teams. But in a game where I don't really like either team, and I look at the direction where these teams are moving in, and I don't think they're moving anywhere closer to a Super Bowl, if you're going to tell me that the Chargers are the underdog in this team, if if you told me the Cowboys were the underdog in this game, I'm, I'm taking the underdog here. That's just the way that I'm going to play this game. And I think a lot of people look at this game Cowboys coming off that embarrassing loss to the 49ers. Uh, They'll bounce back, and the Chargers will find a way to mess it up. If you look at it, the Chargers are really the Cowboys just without the following and without the rabid fan base. Both of those teams are a mirror image of one another, and I'm not talking about the construction of the roster, but whenever you think they're going to get the job done, whenever you think they're going to be this great team, and they're going to be a Super Bowl contender, they fall flat on their face. Look last year. How many people before the start of last season with the Chargers said, Chiefs no longer have Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs are vulnerable, and this is going to be the Chargers season. Chargers didn't win the division. Chargers made the playoffs. And just when you think, oh, things are starting to move well for the Chargers, they go to Jacksonville, they have an enormous halftime lead. Enormous. And they blow the game in the second half, and you have Trevor Lawrence after the game celebrating at a Waffle House, laughing his, uh, and stuffing his face, you know, stuffing his face too. Laughing his face off and stuffing his face at the Waffle House. And you look at the Cowboys, how many Cowboys fans did we hear from in September when they beat the Giants, when they beat the Jets? And it was, oh, here comes the Cowboys. Ah, forget about Philly. Forget about the 49ers. This is the Cowboys' year. They have a defense that looks like the 85 Bears, that looks like the early 2000 Ravens, that looks like the Legion of Boom with the Seattle Seahawks. And then they go up against a legit opponent in the 49ers, and they get smacked around, and they get absolutely dominated. These teams, even though the, the Cowboys do have a better defense than the Chargers, the way we talk about them, the way that we look at them for the last 15 years is very similar. Where they are good teams. They're not great teams. They have a lot of talent. Pollard, Lamb, Dak, Micah Parsons. You look at Austin Eckler, Herbert, Keenan Allen, Bosa, 
Khalil Mack. Like, there are talented players on both of these teams. But the Cowboys, I don't trust their quarterback in a big game. The Chargers, what's their biggest flaw? It's their head coach. There's no reason to believe in either of these teams. And the Cowboys should make the playoffs. The Chargers, I'm iffy about making the playoffs. And I know the NFC is better than what we thought it was going to be. But inside the AFC, they should be the second. They will be the second best team in the AFC West. But what is that really saying? Raiders stink, even though the Raiders are somehow three and three. And the Broncos stink. So just being the second best team in the AFC West, it will put you in position to make the playoffs. But does it mean it's a lock that you make the playoffs? Because let's just say the Dolphins win the AFC East. Let's say the Bengals recover and win the AFC North. In the South, it's Jacksonville. And in the West, it's Kansas City. Well, the Bills are still making the playoffs. Ravens? Now, do you want to throw them in there? It's like, can the Texans be a player? Can the Browns be a player? Can the Steelers be a player? So there's a grouping of teams where I would probably give more trust if the Bengals win the division and the Dolphins win the division to the Bills and the Ravens. And then you're fighting for one spot. And some years you go 10-7, and you get in. And the tiebreakers go your way. Other years, you may be 10-7 and or 9-8, and and the tiebreakers don't go your way. So the Cowboys are a playoff team, without a doubt. But when they get in the postseason, they're not a team that I'm expecting anything other than you win one game and then you go home divisional weekend. For the Chargers, there's legitimate uncertainty if they're going to make the playoffs. So in a game like this tonight, where there's a lot of talent on both these teams, but neither of these teams, until the Cowboys change quarterbacks and get a great quarterback, and until the Chargers change coaches and bring in a great head football coach, am I going to believe that they advance the ball forward and they move the ball forward as an organization and take that next step to greatness? And that's why they're stuck on good organizations and good teams, but never a team that's going to get to a Super Bowl or even let alone a conference title game with either of these squads, with the way that they're just currently managed. And that's why they're both stuck on good, not great teams. So I, I said it going back to last week, and I thought it once the dust settled, whoever the underdog is in this game, that's who I'm going to take and as we sit here on a Monday, and I'll give you a live line of this game right now. Well, it's actually gone down a little bit, but the Cowboys are still a point and a half favorite. So at that rate, just go the money line on the Chargers plus the points. Maybe you dabble in a little anytime touchdown parlay because I think there's going to be points tonight. I do. I think this is going to be a fun game. I think this is going to be a explosive game with both of these offenses. You know, there's going to be some bad moments, but they're going to be able to put up points tonight. And in a game where I think most people are kind of thinking the Cowboys win, the Chargers are going to find the way to get the job done. Maybe you want to parlay an Austin Eckler touchdown and a C.D. Lamb touchdown and just take the the two best offensive players or the two most uh, players that you frequently get in the, the end zone for both teams in Eckler and C.D. Lamb. So I like the Chargers tonight. Stu? Um, I know that you are an expert inside the AFC West and talking about the Chargers charging a lot. You've seen that with your own two eyes many times. Who do you like to end the game, Cowboys and Chargers? Yeah, I, I like the Cowboys. I think the Chargers will charge her. Staley in the primetime spot, uh, typically Brandon Staley's 
Uh, so I think uh, it's going to be a Cowboys win. Well, we have the Cowboys cowboying and the Chargers yeah. charging tonight. Something's got to give. You know what? We Maybe should, a tie. We should bet the tie. <laughs> we really, 34-34 tie. We all walk in tomorrow with like a million bucks or something like that because the odds are crazy. No one ever expects a tie. Samter, are you a stew or are you with myself here? I'm taking the Chargers. Stu is taking the Cowboys. You go with whom tonight? I'm going Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Wow. Yeah, I don't believe in either team. It's not like I'm picking the Cowboys. This is a hold-your-nose type of game. Yeah. No, but here's the thing. It's going to be a super – I think it's going to be a super interesting game. High scoring, right? You can get a lot of offense, a lot of points. It's going to be a fun game to watch. Put it this way. I just don't believe in either of these teams to, like, make the plays when it matters. So I think eh, someone's going to fall on their face at some point late in the fourth quarter. So if you need one player to give you, like, 15 points in fantasy football tonight and you're down, this is, like, an ideal game for you. 100%. Because you're though, getting a ton of points in this game. Even though the Cowboys defense is a lot better than the Chargers defense, like you said, even though I'm not, I don't trust Dak Prescott and the Chargers until Brendan Staley gets out of there, I'll never trust them. It does feel as if we'll have a lot of points in this one. So if we get in the low 30s, mid 30s tonight, that type of game, and it's back and forth fireworks, it should be a good one. But I'm telling you, everyone's gonna pick the Cowboys. All those pregame shows, it's gonna be Cowboys, 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 Cowboys. I'm gonna take the Chargers in this one. Because it's, once again, when you don't trust either teams, I always take the dog. All righty, Zach Gelb Show, CBS Sports Radio. We'll come on back with a little no-huddle offense. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All righty, Zach Gelb here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Stream the NFL and Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone all season long. You can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone, the free AutoZone Fix finder service can help you find a fix for free. Get in the zone. Auto zone restrictions apply. Let's get to a no huddle offense. Touchdowns, sacks, upsets, and last minute heroics. Another NFL Sunday is in the books, and we've got you covered with the biggest plays and sound bites from another wild week in the National Football League. 
It's time for No Huddle Offense on the Zach Gelb Show. No Sauce Gardner, no DJ Reed, no problem for Gang Green and the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. They hand the Eagles their first loss of the season, and a play that set up the eventual winning touchdown was Tony Adams picking off an ill-advised pass by Jalen Hurts late in the fourth quarter in a 14-12 game. This was the third interception for Hurts in the game and the fourth turnover by the Eagles offense. Back to throw is Hurts. Looks left, throws left. It's intercepted. Picked off. Running right, Tony Adams. He's inside the 25. Breaks a tackle. Down to the 10-yard line. Unbelievable. The Jet defense celebrating their fourth takeaway. That's Bob Bashusen on the Jets radio network. So here's the question that I have from this one. If the Jets had Aaron Rodgers... Would they right now be the favorite in the AFC? And my answer to that would be yes. Because I look around the AFC right now. The Dolphins are a juggernaut offensively. And they need Jalen Phillips back to make that defense be really good. And we'll see when Phillips gets back because I think he could be a game wrecker for the Dolphins. But the Jets have a better defense than the Miami Dolphins. And Aaron Rodgers, even though Tua's playing awesome, is a better quarterback than Tua Tungavailoa. Sure, you'd rather have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell compared to uh, Garrett Wilson, even though he's a really good young wide receiver, uh, Alan Lazard, and then Brees Hall as your running back. But I do think the Jets with Rodgers healthy can be better than the Miami Dolphins. The Bills, the Bills have been very unimpressive. Where they're 4-2, and two, and last night they were lucky that they didn't lose and that game be 3-3. and Uh, The Bills, whenever you start to think they're just about to click, like they blew out the Miami Dolphins and they lose to Jacksonville and London and they almost lost to the Giants who were starting to Rod Taylor. In in the AFC West, I get it. Kansas City's 5-1. But if the Jets had Rodgers, they would have won that game up against the Kansas City Chiefs. It was 23-20. And then no one you really love in the AFC North right now in the AFC South. Uh, Jaguars are a good team, but I don't think they're a great team this year. I don't believe it's far-fetched to say that if Aaron Rodgers was on the Jets right now and playing for the Jets right now, who the Jets are 3-3, three and three, that this Jet team would be the favorite in the AFC. And you look around, and if you kind of want to say, no, Zach, I, I disagree with that, look at the Jets' three losses. All right, they got blown out against the Cowboys. They would have won the game up against the Patriots. And I think if Rodgers is there, they would have beat the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, we'll keep it moving. Let's go Commanders and Falcons. Here's uh, Jamin Davis getting the interception of Desmond Ritter. This is Ritter's third interception. This is at 24-16. to 16. This is Falcons Radio. Empty backfield for Ritter. Gets the snap. Washington Briggs for. Steps up, throws. Oh, oh it's picked off by Jamin Davis. <laughs> Unbelievable. Jamin Davis uh, jumped around. Third pick of the half. And Washington is going to win in Atlanta. My take from this game, Arthur Smith did the worst coaching job of the weekend. And I, I was watching the entirety of that game here on Ion Football. I had it up on the iPad. And I don't understand what Arthur Smith is trying to do. Arthur Smith has a quarterback who, at best, you're trying to make him be a game manager. You have Bijan Robinson, you have Tyler Algier, you got Kyle Pitts, and you got Drake London. You have playmakers, but you don't have a great quarterback. So run the ball. Keep it simple, stupid. And he's trying to make Desmond Ritter 
the focal point of this offense, which is nonsense to me. They threw the ball yesterday with Desmond Ritter 47 times. Tyler Algier only had 13 carries in the game. Bijan Robinson only had 13 carries in the game. So that's the first problem I have is the approach by Arthur Smith, who's supposed to be the savvy offensive mind. He's throwing the ball too damn much with Desmond Ritter. Also, you're third and goal at the two. Third and goal at the two. The play clock is winding down. You had three timeouts. I can't trust a young quarterback in Desmond Ritter as easy as it seems to call a timeout there. He takes a delay a game. How are you as a coach, if you're managing the game, you don't use one of your timeouts there? Inexcusable. That pushes them back, and they end up uh, throwing an interception. They got what they deserved. And also, they were down 14. I know the analytical crew will tell me after you get the touchdown, you go for two. I don't really agree with that. And I think a lot of it is about momentum. Don't ruin the momentum. They go for two. They run a fade. I believe it was to Drake London in the left end zone. They end up getting a flag, so they get a a replay of it. And they move the ball to the one-yard line. How do they not hand the ball off to B. John Robinson? You just drafted a running back eighth overall. And they didn't hand the ball off to B. John Robinson. Instead, they go to Tyler Algier, and they get stuffed, and the two-point conversion was no good. Arthur Smith, in a division that is winnable, is right now costing the Atlanta Falcons with his jackassery approach on the offensive side of the ball. Thank you very much. 49ers and the Browns look like the 49ers are going to find a way to pull one out against the Brownies. Here we go, Brownies. Here we go. No Deshaun Watson in the game. No problem. T for Temple, UPJ Walker. Like, he didn't play this great game, but, you know, he did a good enough job here. And he found a way to outduel Brock Purdy. But... The 49ers, even with all the injuries, still moved the ball down the field. They had a chance to make a game-winning field goal with Jake Moody, who I believe they drafted in the third round. (laughs) And you thought this was a layup field goal, a gimme field goal, even in the bad conditions, how good of a kicker Moody was going back to his days at Michigan. And the kick was no good. Let's listen up to Browns Radio. Wisnowski kneels at the 31 to give the Niners the lead. Snap is down. The kick is up. The kick is no good. It's no good! And the Browns will beat the 49ers 19-17! So that's a game where today you look at the 49ers and you go, really? Now, like, I know I like to give crap to 49ers fans. Great football team. They're still going to be there right there at the end of the season. But one thing we could do In the first time in Brock Purdy's career where he starts a game and finishes a game and it results in a loss, is we could put an end to this one-week, two-week kind of push that Brock Purdy should be an MVP candidate. And I, I know 49ers fans loved to bring it up a few weeks ago when I said he's a system quarterback right now. Maybe one day he could turn into a franchise quarterback. But you look at that system that Kyle Shanahan has. Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant offensive mind. He has a great offensive line starting with Trent Williams. You have Christian McCaffrey. You have Debo Samuel. You got Brandon Ayuk. You got Kittle as well. Notice what happens when you lose McCaffrey. Notice what happens when you lose Debo Samuel. Brock Purdy doesn't have these magnificent stat numbers. Brock Purdy was a eh quarterback yesterday. 125 yards in the year of 2023 doesn't cut it. A touchdown and a pick. So the MVP of the 49ers is not Brock Purdy. 
it's Christian McCaffrey. It's run CMC, clearly. But there were some 49ers fans that were trying to make that push for Brock Purdy and got annoyed at everyone that said he's a system quarterback. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if you're winning games and you are a system quarterback. If you win a Super Bowl and you're a system quarterback, no one's going to be annoyed at that. No one's going to say, ah, I, I wish we won a Super Bowl with a quarterback that was elite quarterback in the league, not someone that's just a system quarterback. But let's put an end and let's pour one out to the Brock Purdy MVP discussion after yesterday. Patriots and Raiders, another loss for the Patriots. They stink. The Raiders, Stu, your Raiders are three and three. Like there's all these records that we look at and we go, how the heck does that happen? How is that team not as bad as the way that they look on a football field? And here are your Raiders at three and three on a scale of one to 10. Where's the confidence level with the Raiders? I'd say like a four. I don't think they're a playoff team. They're better than I thought, but they've also beaten the Patriots, Broncos, and Packers. So I don't know. I, yeah, there's some bad opponents. Yeah, we'll see when they have a stretch of, I think, Kansas City twice. But what they're doing right now is they're putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah, they have like Kansas City twice, the Dolphins, and the Chargers in like a five-week span. So that's when we'll see uh, some losses yeah. pile up. I'll be like Oprah Winfrey right now during Christmas time. You get a loss. You get a loss. You get a loss. You get a loss loss with some of those opponents. But the Patriots right now are just handed or just taking L's left and right. Here is Mac Jones getting sacked in the end zone for a safety. I think they tried to utilize Mike Gusecki blocking Max Crosby, which you never use a tight end to block one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And Mike Gusecki, I heard he was a horrible blocker coming over from the Dolphins. You knew he was a decent pass catching tight end. I can't even say he tried to block Max Crosby. As someone that was an offensive lineman, that is offensive to say that Mike Gusecki even attempted to block Max Crosby. Here is uh, Mac Jones getting sacked in the end zone for the safety. How about we finish this off with the safety, shall we? <laughs> Anything but a deep ball. Snap, back to pass, pressure again off the edge. And he's sacked for the safety! Crosby and Nichols, they met in the end zone. They squished him to the turf, and the Raiders' defense has that safety. Yeah, I'm thrilled with this result. I'm I'm a tanking guy now. For 20 years, I was in the penthouse. Now I'm in the outhouse. Now I know what it's like to be a regular football fan, where I just want my team to be competitive. I just want my team to make me think there's a shot they're going to win the game, and then I want to see them lose the game. And that's what happened yesterday. Because the Patriots, after Tom Brady, they made the playoffs one year. But for the most part, they've been like anywhere between a 7 to a a 10-win team. That's in the worst place that you could be. Where you have no direction, you have no hope, you know you're not a good team. Forget about being a great team or a Super Bowl team. At best, you're just a team that can maybe, at best, make a wild card and then get blasted by the Bills like you did a few years ago. So I want to tear this thing down. We'll see if Belichick comes back. I'm not someone that's demanding to fire Bill. But I want the number one overall pick in the draft. And then hopefully Bill Belichick doesn't do what he did with Mac Jones and say, yeah, we're going to have a defensive guy and a special teams guy run the offense. And then we're never going to get the quarterback, some offensive players. So somehow the Raiders are three and three. I love that the Patriots right now only have one win. I wish they had no wins on the season. I don't want to see them win another game for the rest of the year because I think the Patriots having a terrible season will actually end up being a good thing because you could go get a big time playmaker in the draft. Saints at the Texans. Let's hear C.J. Stroud chuck up a six-yard touchdown pass to Robert Woods. This made it 17-7. Texans over the Saints. Third and goal at the sixth. C.J. gets the snap. Throws over the middle. Caught for a touchdown by Robert Woods. They cash in. 
What a throw. The timing is what made the throw possible. What a quarterback. This is a rookie doing this. C.J. Stroud, through his first six games of his NFL career, completed almost 60% of his passes, 1,660 passing yards, nine touchdowns and only one interception. That came yesterday against the New Orleans Saints. But the Texans get the win. The Texans are now 3-3. Three and three. And you look at the Houston Texans and you just say, man, they're finally moving in the right direction. That this was a team for the last two years Casario was trying to build something, but you never believed in them and you had no reason to believe because David Culley was their coach and Lovey Smith was their head coach. You knew that wasn't going to be the guy that when they tried to move this thing forward, that's who they were going to rock and roll with. You bring in D'Amico Ryans, who played for the Texans and is beloved in that organization and with that fan base and with that franchise. And then not only did you go get C.J. Stroud with the second overall pick, but you said, okay, bleep it, let's go for it. Let's go get Will Anderson Jr. We'll see what type of player Will Anderson Jr. develops to. But it was finally a mentality in that organization that we're moving this thing forward. And ultimately, it's the hit on the players. But right now, it looks like the hit on the coach. And it looks like the hit on the quarterback as well. And through the first six weeks of the season, D'Amico Ryans may be the most impressive coach in the NFL. And right now, would be my vote to win coach of the year. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to get it. That doesn't mean he's going to win it because I don't think the Texans are going to the playoffs. And I think you need to get to the playoffs to win coach of the year. But you look around, like Mike McDaniel, definitely in that conversation. Dan Campbell, definitely in that conversation. Robert Soft, the Jets somehow make the playoffs, definitely in that conversation. But D'Amico Ryans with not a lot of great talent and getting that team to be 3-3 three and three and bringing belief back and hope back to the Texans organization is a pretty impressive sign from the Texans rookie head coach. And not everyone makes a great transition from a coordinator to a head coach. First six games, it's been flawless for the most part with the Houston Texans. That's a no-huddle offense. This is Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We will take a break. We'll come on back. There's a ton of pressure on Deshaun Watson. And also, how does the Brock Bowers injury change the way we view Georgia? We'll approach those two questions. We come on back. Five more, uh, One more segment to play. We'll be back in five minutes. But let's get the latest CBS Sports Radio update in first with the Ackman, Rich Ackerman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
It is time to ask our Ask the Pros question of the day, and it's brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Red in Georgia says, Zach, how does the Brock Bowers injury impacts Georgia's chances of winning another national championship? You could submit a question by tweeting at CBS Sports Radio or at Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B, using the hashtag Ask the Pros. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. So, uh, you're going to have Brock Bowers out a bare minimum of four weeks. It's expected four to six weeks uh, with the surgery that he needs. He's having a tight uh, uh, trope surgery on his uh, injured ankle. Uh, the school announced that he's expected to miss um, four to six weeks. Brock Bowers, who is one of the best players in college football and one of the more explosive players in college football, in my opinion, the most entertaining non-quarterback in college football. So if he's out anywhere from four to six weeks, where let's just say it's the maximum of that. So one, two, three, four, five, six. That puts you back him returning around Thanksgiving weekend if there's no hiccups, if there's no uh, roadblocks or anything from the surgery that goes wrong and it's just a straight through recovery. So you don't need him back on the field Thanksgiving weekend for Georgia Tech, but then the next week you may need him in the SEC championship game. Florida's schedule, though, I mean, Georgia's schedule, it's easy-peasy. You play Florida, you have Missouri, you have Ole Miss, you get Tennessee, you get Georgia Tech. So, sure, it picks up an intensity of your opponents, but up until this point, their best opponent was Kentucky, and they waxed them 51-13. to Now, when they played Auburn the week before that, they did a heck of a job, and Bowers pretty much single-handedly won them that game up against Auburn where they just survived 27-20. to so even if Georgia loses one game in the regular season, and let's say Bowers isn't ready to come back for the SEC title game, I still expect Georgia to win the SEC. And if you're a one-loss SEC champ, you're still going to get in the college football playoff. But here's what I start to wonder. Does Brock Bowers feel like he has to return? Because how many times have we seen a player get hurt and they've a like, even guys haven't even accomplished as much as Brock Bowers has. But remember Bosa at Ohio State? Remember the injury last year with Jackson Smith and Jigba? When you've already won, and you've already been kind of touted that guy, and you're supposed to be the first tight end off the board, a top 10 pick in the draft, and you're going to get your NIL money either way. It's not as if you need to play to get that NIL money. I don't really see the incentive, Santer, for Brock Bowers to play. Now, I respect the competitive spirit if he says, I owe it to my teammates, I owe it to my brothers, and I want to play. And if he does that, I'm the first one to say, round of applause, I got no problem with that. But if I'm advising Brock Bowers, like if I was, you know, soon to be agent of Brock Bowers or a family member of Brock Bowers, ultimately it's his decision, but I would kind of say, You've already made some good money, probably, through NIL at Georgia. You've already won. They've won back-to-back national championships. You are that guy that is going to be the first tight end picked in the draft. You're supposed to be a top-10 pick. Do you really need to come on back where I would be shocked if he returns for the SEC championship game? But then a few weeks later, I think it's New Year's Day is when the semifinals are this year, you know, if enough time goes by, but do you want to maybe potential open yourself up to get injured again before in a few months 
you're getting ready to start your, your, your NFL career. So that's the part to me where if you're a Georgia fan, it's two questions. When does he come back? If you tell me it's four to six weeks where he's eligible to come back, sure, you could still go win a national championship game, even though now you're vulnerable because you just lost your best player. But it's also, will he want to come back? And that's the big question I have. I think the NIL thing changes everything. Like, 10 years ago, I would have said, heck no, sit out the rest of the year, doesn't matter what's going on, and get your money in the NFL draft. But now you're making a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. Tight ends can play a little bit longer, right? So if he, let's say he gets hurt again, and he drops a little bit in the draft, he still has a second and third contract he can get to. It's not like a running back who needs to get that first or second contract. So he has And he's going options. to the top 10 picks either way. Even if he gets hurt again in, in, you're, you're in an SC championship game, he's who, coming back. You're telling me a tight end going top 10 who gets injured twice in, the, in, his, in his last season? No way. Two, two things. One, the tight end has become such an enormous part of the passing game now, and they're kind of basically just wide receivers. You know, great tight ends like Gronkowski – you know that's the ideal tight end because he was dominant in the in the in the blocking game and then an insane person in the pass catching game. But like Mark Stoops, who who was on with us a few weeks ago and knows Gronk very well, he's like I I'm not even comparing him to to Rob Gronkowski because he even said in one of his press conferences earlier that week he's never seen anyone like a Brock Bowers. So with that upside, I still think he'd be a top ten pick either way. But with all that being said, it's just like I don't know if it. Like, outside of just the competitive spirit of it and wanting to win a third national championship at Georgia, I, I don't think it makes sense. Like, you got injured, it stinks. I, I would have no problem if he elects to sit out. I've never, I will never lambaste a college athlete that says, I'm going to sit out and get focused on my NFL future, especially when he's given so much already to the university. And the other part also is if, if he misses the rest of the season and is available for the playoffs, how often do we see a guy who comes back after an injury and you his first or second game off. back, knock the rust off, mm -hmm. he's not quite there, and probably increases the chances of him getting hurt again. So, like, if he gets back and he has a chance to play in, like, kind of a tune-up game, even the SEC title game, just to kind of get himself back. There's really no benefit for him individually. No, Outside of personal pride. three-peat. Now, can Georgia three-peat without him? Probably. They but, still I mean, can. Man, it makes it much harder. They still can, but they're vulnerable because Michigan vulnerable. is a well rounded football team. Look what Washington did this past weekend. Whoever survives out of that Pac 12, it, this is a year in college football where the Bowers injury, before people were saying it's open, now it's even more open because of how dominant he is, and he's clearly Georgia's best player. Let's go to Marvin in Sacramento, who wants to chime in on uh, Tyrod Taylor for a second. Marvin, go ahead. Yeah. I watched that game yesterday. I watched all the Giant games, being a lifelong Giant fan. Yesterday was the first time this year that the offense looked like a pro offense. I'm not saying Tyrod Taylor is great and he's the next best thing to the zipper. That's not what I'm saying. But they haven't looked this decent this whole year. Did they really so, even look decent? Yeah, they looked decent simply because Tyrod Taylor, he was running for his life, but he was making passes – uh, Jones doesn't even get a chance to make a pass down downfield. Bottom line is, the Giants need to think in terms about getting one of these top quarterbacks oh, coming out. for sure with that. The, <laughs> and Marvin, I got to let you run because I'm up against it, but for sure. If you're picking in the top 10, you got to consider taking a quarterback because Daniel Jones only has a ceiling of being good. He doesn't have a ceiling of being great, but let's like settle down here that this is the first time the Giants offense looked decent. I'll remind you, they only put up nine points yesterday. And Terod Taylor made an inexcusable mistake at the end of the first half. Like, he was fine. 
But I, I don't want to start getting all crazy and then say that, oh, that was an indictment of Daniel Jones yesterday with him not being on the field. I don't love Daniel Jones. They paid Daniel Jones. They could easily get after that deal, out of that deal after two years. But if they have a, a top 10 pick and they fall in love with the quarterback, and that's the key, you got to fall in love with the quarterback, then you got to draft that quarterback. Real quickly, Schefter said Deshaun Watson was dealing with the deep rotator cuff contusion that has made it difficult for him to drive the football when he throws. But there is a belief that the Browns QB could be ready to play as soon as next Sunday against the Colts. There's a lot of pressure on Watson. They traded all those picks for him. They guaranteed him all that money. And then yesterday, with him not on the field, they beat arguably the best team in football or one of the best teams in football. When Watson comes back, he better be ready to go because Stefanski did a good job with that team yesterday. And ultimately, this is going to Stefanski up against Watson if it does not work out and Stefanski will lose his job. But Watson's got to start stepping up and delivering because his team found a way to get the job done yesterday without him. So all eyes will be turned to Deshaun Watson when he comes on back. Good show today. I'd like to thank Emmett Smith for stopping by in the studio. I'd like to thank all of you in the YouTube chat, also on the phones and listening to us however you do so. Big thanks to Stu. Big thanks to Samter. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, everybody, at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. We out. Bye-bye. Peace. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.